Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for being a part of worship. And we are really, really blessed. We're moving into a new sermon series today. And the sermon series is going to last for the next two blocks for us. So it's going to be uh, eight sermons, two forums. And we're really excited about it because what we're talking about is how we prepare ourselves individually and corporately for the presence of God. And that is hugely important for us as a people and for us as individuals where it is, it is about God. So let me, uh, let me pray and then I'm going to make a statement that's probably a little bit on the shocking side, but maybe it'll resonate with you. God, I thank you for your presence and I thank you for your care. I thank you that you have been the one to initiate all of this all the way along. And today as we dive into the first sermon of this sermon series, I pray that you would enlighten us, that you would guide us, and that you would prepare us so that we could be ready to have your presence interact with our life and change us and grow us and develop us into the people that you've called us to be. God, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the DNA of this church, for the people in this church, for the community of this church. And God, I know that we haven't seen each other for, I think it's 10 weeks now. But God, I pray that you would continue to bind us together in relationship and in love for each other and in trust of each other. God, I pray that you would continue to open doors of communication and sharing each other's burdens. And I pray that you would be glorified in every action that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm afraid that we don't believe in the presence of God anymore. And I don't just mean that in terms of Promise Church, and I don't just mean that in terms of you. I actually think that as church people, as Christians in 21st century, we don't believe in the presence of God anymore. And, uh, and that's a really big, heavy statement. I mean, we pay lip service to the presence of God. We, uh, we say that we seek the presence of God. We invite the presence of God. We, we look for normalcy and comfort in the presence of God. And, uh, and, and we talk about it a lot. But I don't know that we believe in the presence of God the same way that they believed in the presence of God in the early church. Or that they believed in the presence of God in the Exodus. And, uh, and I think that that view is really challenging. Our culture, uh, in terms of society and the narratives we listen to, you know, they talk about, they talk about, oh, you know, connection with the divine, and they talk about the energies, and they talk about, you know, God is out there. And some of what we think of when we talk about the presence of God is, is we talk about these, you know, mystical kind of feeling things that can't really be nailed down for what it is. And, uh, and, and so sometimes we end up talking a little bit or thinking maybe a little too airy about what the presence of God really is. I mean, we want to believe in the presence of God. We want to see it. We want to know it. We want to trust in it. And we want to have God show up. Absolutely. But I don't know if we know what 
that is or what that looks like. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this sermon series to prepare us for the presence of God. And hopefully we're going to move from, I hope to experience the presence of God to, I expect God to show up. Not because we can force him, but because we know his invitation and we know his voice and we know what he's doing. So um, I'm going to get right into scripture. We're going to start off right near the beginning of God revealing himself to people post-fall. It's not the beginning of it, but it's near the beginning of it. And uh, we're going to jump to Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to come to the closing part of chapter 2. And it's the story of Moses as he is being called out into actually liberating the people of God. So here we go. Exodus 2, 23 to 25 is what I'm going to read right now. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abram and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And the chapter ends. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. What I want to do is I want to frame this story, not as Moses' story, not as Israel's story, but as God's story. This is God's story and he knew. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we think that we're reading many different stories of many different people put together and kind of like hodgepodge stitched together to make this, you know, quilt of what is the Bible story. But what we're actually doing is we're, we're seeing God's story, the narrative of God as he interweaves himself in the history of a people and of humanity. And, uh, and this is one large story with God being the main character and with all these other characters being supporting roles. So Moses in this is a Moses is a supporting role. So God knew more than Moses knew. See, God is bringing his presence into this story. He's bringing his presence into the story. We, we kind of think of, of Moses sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, Moses was this guy. But let me tell you a little bit about Moses' story as the supporting line underneath. God had given Moses the impression that he was going to let you know, Israel go through Moses' hand um, early on in Moses' life. And Moses got really excited about it and tried to do something about it, tried to make it happen. And it failed miserably. It backfired and Moses was exiled out of Egypt. In fact, he left Egypt. He went to Midian, totally a different place. And he is away. He's not really paying attention to what's going on with, with Egypt and with Israel because he left that part of his life. We're talking about a 40-year span. What were you doing 40 years ago? I wasn't born 40 years ago yet. We're getting close. So, so this 40-year span, Moses has moved on. But this story says, and God knew, God knew, you know, um, God is involving people in his story. And, uh, you know, maybe sometimes we miss Christian faith when we think that God involves himself in our life. I think we need to actually flip that a little bit and say, we are involved in God's story. 
Like the perspective of our whole Christian life is how does God involve himself in my life? But really God is saying, no, I am involving you in my story. I am getting you ready for me to be the front and center. And so we need to think about that. See, Moses, in this story where I just introduced us, Moses is not ready for the knowledge of God or the presence of God. Moses really wasn't keeping tabs on, so Pharaoh left and, or there was a new Pharaoh and Israel was being treated worse and they were crying out to God. They weren't crying out to Moses. Moses wasn't even hearing this call. God was hearing it and God said, okay, Moses, I'm going to get you ready. And so God is involving us in his story. And that's a really, really big transition. That's a big thing to think about. How is, how are you involved in God's story? Not how is God involved in yours? So Moses wasn't ready for, for Emmanuel. Moses had already run away and, uh, and he'd already left that part of his life. But God knows. The older Moses, he had a life. He had a wife. He had everything he wanted. He was approaching 80 years old when this happened. And, uh, and there's, there's no sign that Moses was out there to, to fix this. And God says, I'm going to prepare you. Now watch what he does as we get into Exodus 3, 1 to 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Harob, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see the great sight. Why is the bush not burned? When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Wow! See, God in this has captured Moses' attention. You know, the story isn't Moses' story, it's God's story, and God wanted to include Moses, and so to do that, God had to capture his attention. So God took something very natural, a fire, and used it to make Moses question what's going on here. God takes that and, and says, okay, so we're not just going to let a fire, but we're going to make, we're going to do something different with the fire so that Moses notices. I mean, if it was just a fire in the wilderness of a little bush somewhere, Moses may not have even paid attention. So there's something going on. Moses could have ignored the fire, um, but Moses' curiosity draws him closer to God. There's an important part there. Moses' curiosity draws him closer to God. It gets him ready. And sometimes I think that we need to increase our curiosity. What is God doing? What is God doing in COVID? What is God doing to the church? 
How is God shaping the church? Maybe there's a curiosity thing that we need to, to be aware of to see how is God involving us in his story? Maybe we need to be thinking about that. I mean, you know, later in, in the Bible, we see that, that God applauds those who, you know, seek him out. So Deuteronomy chapter four, which is back here. There we go. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 29 says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. We want to get prepared for the presence of God. Sometimes it takes being a little bit curious about what's going on and saying, hmm, what is this about? I want to see what is happening here. And, and so we need, to, we need to start seeking out God as well with curious questions, just like Moses did. If we want to be ready for, for God, then that's, that's what we need to do. So God calls Moses by name. Moses, Moses, God knows exactly who you are and he knows exactly your situation and he will call you out and he will say, I'm going to get your attention and he'll call you out and he'll prepare you for his presence. But you know, Moses, Moses wasn't quite ready for it. See, God is calling all of us. And I think that if we look at Matthew 22, which I have bookmarked here, Matthew 22 has a story in it that is really interesting. It's Matthew 22, 1 uh, to verse 14. And uh, I don't have time to read the whole thing right now, but I'm going to give you the summation of the story. The story says that there was a kingdom of heaven and a king who wanted to give a wedding feast for his son. And so he sends everybody out to go find all the people and, uh, and lo and behold, all the nobles are all busy and preoccupied and can't come to this feast. And, and the king is, he's like offended and seriously bothered by it. And obviously Jesus is talking about something very important here, but it's not the point of what I'm going to. He's offended by it. And then he goes, go into the marketplace and just find anybody, find the regular people. That's the you's and the me's. We're the regular people. And he said, go find those people and invite them to the wedding feast. Now, what gets really interesting is as the people come, verse 11 says, but when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how do you get in here without your wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. Get rid of this man. God sought out everybody who would come. He called everybody, but there were people that were not prepared, did not take it seriously enough to prepare themselves, to get themselves ready for the type of occasion this is. They just approached it casually and they said, mm, whatever, you know, um, we'll just take it as it comes. And I got invited to this thing. And so I just showed up and, and God's like, no, no, the kingdom of God is not like that. Yes, you are invited, but the kingdom of God is not just to be taken casually, like it's your everyday normal life and somehow God's going to augment your reality. No, you're being called into something that's far greater, that you're being called and included into God's story. And there's some preparation that we do in our heart about that. There's some things that we do. We go back to our text in Exodus and we see that in Exodus 5, we see, or Exodus 3 verse 5, we see, don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
stop. Be ready. Yes, I just called you Moses, but don't just come casually. Don't just come and think that you can step in here and just act the same way and be the same. No, God's calling you into something far greater than what your everyday experience has been. There's a difference between the presence of God fully revealed to you and the normal life that you've been living before that. There's a holiness is the word that God uses for it. A separation between what is your normal and what becomes what we call now is sacred. And so God instructs Moses to prepare himself and too often we come to a church service or we come to a prayer meeting or we come to whatever. We come to God in our devotions and we just come, you know, casually on our own terms. Oh, okay, God, you know, you can meet with me now, right? Yeah, okay, because you're always with me. And we just presume on the presence of God that he wants me to remain just as I am. And God challenges us in the word and says, it's not quite like that. Yes, you're called just as you are. But the fact that you are called gives you a responsibility to respond and prepare. And so we can't just expect to encounter God on our own terms for our own comfort. Too often that becomes too casual. And the response of the invitation to God is is too flippant. And God's just like, I can't involve that. That isn't what's going to happen here. Moses, take off your shoes. The ground that you're standing on is holy. You know, you come without preparing for the wedding feast that you were invited to. Think about that. I mean, if you're married, think back to your wedding day. Think back to your wedding day. Was there a time in your wedding day where you looked at the people in, in, in attendance and go, why is that person wearing that? What do they mean by that? Like, are, are you sending a signal to me? Like, and, and that's kind of what's going on because we have an expectation in our wedding life that people dress a certain way and that's becoming more casual, but you dress a certain way to go to a wedding. The same was true in Jesus' time. There, there's a, there's a, a communication in the attitude you had when you come to the approach, when you come to the wedding. There's a communication that's happening and something that's really important for us. I don't think I'm saying we have to wear our Sunday best to church, but I think I am saying that there's something in our heart that we need to set right, that we need to actually come prepared to meet with God when we come to a Sunday. Then maybe it's a, it's a prayer that we say, God, I am, I'm dedicating and devoting this time to you. I am separating this time, even in your living room right now, I'm separating this time from the normal experiences in the living room to now, this is a space where I want to meet with you. It's a time and a place. Maybe it's in your devotions. When you open up your Bible and you say, it's at this time because this is the time that God is, is asking me to set aside. See, it doesn't come from, oh, it's the time that I'm putting in my, in my agenda. No, it's the time that God is asking me to set aside. And so I'm going to make sure I'm there for him. I'm going to make sure that I'm ready for him. Because it's that respect that we're responding to God, not God responding to us. We got to flip that around for us to be prepared for the presence of God. You know, too often we just think that, oh, God's just with me because in, in Matthew 28, God does promise to be with us. 
and he is with us. But if we want to experience his presence the way that they did in the days of old, then we need to actually realize that there's a posture that we come at it with that's really important. You know, the, the invitation is wide open, but we have to respect the inviter. So what does it mean to be holy? You know, the space that you're standing on is holy. I got into it a little bit, but I just want to take a moment to just, to, to just iron it out a little bit more. To be holy is actually to be separated, to be consecrated. We recognize that this world doesn't work the way that God intended it to be. And so we see that God's story is him bringing himself to bear on his kingdom, on this world. And, and there are places where, where there are touch points where God is able to say, here, this is where I meet. For, for me, when I went to Tyndale Seminary, you know, it was a little off-putting at first because my, my sacred space before that was actually in one of the spaces at Crosslands Church, a space where God had, had met with me and I had set that aside to, to just go and meet with God and I would go and pray. And, I, and when I left Crosslands, I lost that, that physical space. And I was a little bit at a loss. Where do I, where do I now meet with God? And I, and I chose actually to go into the, to the huge chapel at Tyndale. And I found that space right in the front left corner at the altar of, uh, of the Tyndale chapel. And I would go there and I still visit there. And I go there and I just go and pray. What's so special about a space? Well, what it is, is it's actually, I am intending to go to a place that God is calling me to so that I can have an expectation that I meet with God. For many of us, it's our Sunday morning service. That there is that rhythm where God is calling you to a service on a Sunday morning, where God is calling you and saying, come to this place so that you can experience what I am saying to you. And we need to come with an attitude of expectation that God is going to speak to us. And so, we have to respect that space, even in Chris Hadfield, when we get back to it, that that space becomes a holy space for us, a space where we come with an expectation that we are going to worship God, that we are going to expect his presence because he is drawing us there. It's not the other way around. It's not because, oh, we want to go to church. It's because God is calling us there and God is involving us in his story. And, uh, and that's a big distinction. You know, we aren't, we aren't trying to impress God with our dresses and, we're, and, and dressing up fancy. It's not about impressing God. It's actually about acknowledging his place, that he is far greater than us. And again, it's not about, you know, what we wear, but it is about that heart attitude in which brings me to church, that I am responding to God's calling every single Sunday morning at 10.30. I've set aside this time to respond to God's calling. As long as it's us responding to God's calling, we're starting to get the idea that God wants to include us in his story, like what God did in Exodus 2 and 3 with Moses. See, God informs Moses of who he is, and Moses responds by turning his face God is preparing us for his presence, but his presence is not light and airy. His presence is not some fanciful idea that I felt the energies. It's not some like ethereal, like maybe, maybe I got goosebumps. You know, if, if God had told Moses, 
I'm going to be with you like this all the time. Moses would have actually died. He would have been terrified. That idea was just so grand that God walking with me was such a grand idea. And, and so, so this is really interesting because we've assumed that the presence of God is just casual. It's normal. I walk through the grocery store. God's with me. You know, something happens and it's bad. Oh, God's with me. And we feel like this flippancy about the presence of God. But the presence of God, the manifest, real presence of God, that's not that flippant. There's a lot of respect in that. You know, secular culture believes that God's a figment of our imagination. It's something that we believe in to give us strength and something that, that we use as a more morality booster. And, uh, you know, it's just feel-goodism. But God, God is much more than any of that. And we as Christians need to take his presence and, and the preparation for his presence more seriously. See, God's got to prepare us for his presence because without his preparation, we would most certainly die. We would not be able to handle the idea of the presence of God and us being, standing in the presence of God. You look all through the biblical text, people walk into the presence of an angel of God, a representative of God, and they fall flat on their face in fear. We think we could just walk into a Sunday service and, oh, the presence of God. No, that there is an element to the manifest presence of God that needs to be taken seriously. God is preparing us for his presence. God is holy, completely other than us, and he is powerful. I mean, he has that, that power that could ultimately crush us. Like, think about that. The God we serve, the creator of the entire universe. Think of the scope of his power. Think of the scope of his persona, his ability, his knowledge. We don't hold anything to that. We don't hold a thing to that. And so when we seek the presence of God, it's not something to be taken lightly, but it's a serious calling. The people who took the invitation to the wedding feast in Matthew 22 seriously, the people that took that seriously, they enjoyed a great celebration. The kingdom of God is like this, that the call goes out to all of us, that the call is open to you, even if you're not part of a promised church, the call is open to you to experience the presence of God, to experience the glory of his kingdom, to experience the hope of the life that comes with the knowledge and the truth of God and his presence with us. But if we don't take the steps to allow God to prepare us, to put on that, that image of that wedding garment, to allow God to adjust our heart, to say, I'm entering into God's story, instead of saying, God's entering into my story. If we don't allow that to happen, and we take God's presence flippantly, one, we will never experience the presence of God the way that we hope to. And two, there is a dire warning that says, you've gotta treat God with the respect that he deserves 
because of his place being totally separate than us. And we give God all of the thanks and all of the gratitude because he has openly invited us to experience this. But he says, just treat it with respect. And so that's the first step for us. God is going to take our life and he's going to direct us. So are you going to be prepared to allow God to do amazing things in your life? The creator of the world wants to do amazing things in your life, wants to show his presence to you, wants to involve you in his story, wants to invite you into his kingdom. Are you going to take the time to prepare and say, God, I'm willing. I want to take that seriously. And as we go through this series, we're going to see more and more steps of how God prepares us and how his presence changes us and moves us to become a representative of his kingdom here and now. God, my prayer for the people at Promise Church and the people watching this is that we would allow you to prepare our hearts and our person for your presence. That we would allow you the access to our being with the respect that you are far beyond us and you know every inch and every piece of my psyche, of my heart, of what goes on in my soul, of my body, of every vein, of every hair on my head. You know every element better than we do. And God, I just pray that you would allow us to allow you the work to prepare us for your presence. At the end of this service today, I pray that people would know that you are calling them into your presence and that we would faithfully return and respond to your call, that we would never think again of it like, oh, I I can make some time for God here when God, you're actually calling and you're saying, I'm initiating this. Set this time aside. God, for for those of us who who use Sunday mornings as a place where we meet with you and where you've called us to and and you've said, okay, this is the thing that I'm calling you to. God, I pray that even these video Sunday mornings would be taken as a high calling. That it wouldn't just be I'm doing my thing on the TV screen, but that it would be a high calling into your presence that we would get that check in our heart, that we didn't come to a wedding feast dressed in random, you know, whatever we were wearing that day, but that we came with our hearts prepared to hear from you. And Jesus, I pray that that would continue on for us. Continue as we press into who you are calling us to be and the way you're calling us to express and how you're forming us. We thank you that you do call. We thank you you didn't leave us to our own devices. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.